Hi, and welcome to the last episode of this year's podcast series. By way of a wrap-up, I thought it was only appropriate that I shared my own tips and strategies for success, both as a business owner and as a professional female employee. So I've split this episode into A and B, so you can choose to listen to one or both, depending on your own situation. And as such, they are a little bit shorter. So with the benefit of my professional experience and a dollop of hindsight, this is part one. My learnings from setting up and running a successful, albeit small, business. It's a different take on November's session, which was about how to market yourself as a female business owner. These are my tips, the things I've learned to do and indeed not to do. Part two for professionally employed women will broadcast in a week or so. I started First Woman in September 2019. The initial idea was to run half-day workshops for groups of female professionals within corporate companies. I'd really only just got this off the ground when lockdown hit in March 2020 and overnight the workshop bookings absolutely disintegrated. As I've said before, this is my third attempt at running my own thing. The previous efforts didn't exactly fail, but I found myself sucked back into full-time employ. It was frankly the easier option, although I traded much of what I wanted to do personally in exchange for that hefty monthly salary. Armed with this hindsight, when COVID hit, I wasn't exactly surprised when my first response was, well, I'll have to go back to work and find another job. I really didn't want to do that, but it seemed to be the the best way to navigate the new world, at least until COVID was over. Though at the time, none of us knew when that was likely to be. As it was, a new job was not forthcoming. Companies were in a massive state of flux. Marketing budgets were being slashed. And of course, the fact I'd left EDF to start my own thing, only to execute an about turn within six months, didn't exactly present me as a solid hire. And thank goodness for that. If I had found employment, the last four years wouldn't have happened and I'd have continued in that depressing, same shit, different day scenario. So here is learning one. Back yourself. There will be times when you doubt yourself. Can I make this work? Have I got what it takes? Do I know enough? Have enough experience? Will people actually buy what I have to offer? Many of these questions can and should be answered up front with a solid business plan. Only you know your own levels of competence in terms of expertise. But presumably you will have conducted some research into your target market, likely pricing point and volume of sales. But even having done that, the due diligence, often the doubts linger just under the surface. Someone might make an off-the-cuff remark which triggers the self-doubt. Or maybe you've had a couple of unsuccessful pitch attempts and are wondering what you're doing wrong. These fears are understandable. I don't think the bravery required in giving up a monthly salary and taking a leap into the unknown can ever be underestimated. And I applaud everyone who has the courage to make that move, especially as many of us still have bills to pay. But you know, that's why you should back yourself. Taking the initial decision proves you are a brave and courageous woman. When the doubts come knocking, you need to remember that. Go back to your why, your purpose, what you want to achieve. Find yourself a mentor, someone who can give you sage advice. And if you're stuck, invest in a coaching session to help you unstick. 
Join a network of female founders. There are plenty to choose from. So seek support and reaffirmation. I did all these things and by May I had secured my first online coaching gig as the first prize in a competition no less and after that the doors opened and remained so. Second tip, a confusing value proposition. Many founders try to cover all the bases in case they miss out on a opportunity and I was no different. When I started out I positioned myself as both a marketing and brand strategist and personal brand consultant for women. They might sound similar, but one is a gun for hire and the other a professional development service. Now, you think marketing being my bread and butter discipline, I'd know this to be the case. And I do. But applying logic to your own business is sometimes the toughest part. It's like having selective amnesia. And I hear the same from my clients who are also marketing. They can sell a product or even someone else. But when it comes to themselves, it's way more difficult. I remember attending a couple of free webinars, one with Helen Pritchard, who is a smart marketer and lead gen expert specialising in LinkedIn. And the other was with Dory Clark, who needs no introduction. Dory's masterclass was on how to build a successful coaching business. And I came away with the same clear direction from both focus and niche. Don't be scared to be ruthless in defining your audience sweet spot and begin with making it tight. That way you become selectively famous within your niche, which has a side benefit. It means you don't spread yourself too thin and can concentrate your efforts and investment accordingly. So I decided to go with personal branding for women and initially niched down further to professional women in big corporates. It raised a few eyebrows, not least because I was immediately reducing my universe by half by excluding men and adding corporates as a filter. But I'm here to support women, not because I don't like men or think they don't need support. I happen to believe that women in corporates need it more. So it's not enough to describe your ideal client as women over 30 who work. That's way too broad. It has to be more detailed to be effective. Professional women between the age of 30 and 50 who are ambitious with a desire to be promoted to leadership roles within a corporate organisation. That's my target market. Of course, women outside of that niche were also attracted, but that was my brand proposition for three years and it's only of late I've started to expand into the founder area. The third thing was lack of audience insight. Understanding your audience is paramount. Once you've established your niche, find out as much about them as possible. The best way to do this is to talk to them. When I launched the pilot for my coaching program, Personal Brand Elevator, I ran a set of speed coaching sessions. This was so that I could identify the challenges women were experiencing and also test out my ideas and concepts for the online course. I advertised these speed coaching sessions on LinkedIn and invited women to sign up to a free 20-minute slot to discuss a specific pain point or issue they were experiencing in the workplace. This exercise proved to be invaluable in being able to identify the key challenges faced by most women and create the solutions to overcome them. To this day, I still have the spreadsheet with all the challenges and I go back to them for reference and also for content. As sadly, not much seems to have changed. The big learning here is to focus on the solution, not the product. I see lots of 
product sell out there, but is, is disconnected from the audience problem it seeks to solve. You have to identify a need first. Don't position your business as, I have a product, who can I sell it to? Rather, I have identified an audience, how can I solve their problem? The fourth tip is fishing in the wrong pond. This weekend, I closed the First Woman Facebook page and updated my username on my Instagram page from First Woman Rocks to my name. This is all part of evolving the next chapter. And let's be clear, I received zero leads or business from either of those platforms. Now, one might argue that's because I didn't invest the time in creating a community on Instagram or Facebook the way I have on LinkedIn. But it was already pretty clear from the audience insight work I conducted back in 2020 that Insta and Facebook weren't where my prospects were looking for business or performance coaches. If I was offering support for menopause or more lifestyle subjects, then perhaps, but the natural place for work-related coaching for me is LinkedIn. So that's where I focused. Because your audience should inform your platform of choice. Be wherever they hang out, become part of their conversations, answer their queries and find out more about them. Develop those three pillars of know, like and trust in one, maybe maximum of two areas and your clients will come. The other related learning is vanity metrics. I have something like 3,750 followers on LinkedIn. Not huge by anyone's standards and probably 30% of these will be male connections that predate First Woman. The First Woman LinkedIn company page has nearly 1,100 fans. Again, small, um, perhaps half of my profile page followers, but all women. These comparatively small but engaged communities have consistently generated two private clients per month for me on average for the last four years. And that's been enough to keep my part-time lifestyle business going. Every time I look at the diary and think, oh, that's looking a bit bare, someone new gets in touch. So you don't have to have a huge following and posts which regularly yield 10,000 impressions to be successful. In this case, small is definitely beautiful and in my case, sufficiently productive. May or may not be the same for you. Finally, investment in branding and personal branding. Having a highly designed logo and website is not a prerequisite for success. Brands are not logos. That association comes much later. At the outset, people will buy you, not your website. So your personal brand positioning is more important in the initial stages than a logo. I built my own Squarespace website in 2020 and it served perfectly well for 12 to 18 months until I had enough money to pay someone to do the job properly. If you're selling on social platforms, start there. Make sure your social bios are engaging. Many on LinkedIn would argue a website isn't even necessary if your profile page is compelling and the same could be said for Facebook. In fact, socials are much easier to update than a website. My website designer, Katie Caldwell, taught me how to update the web pages in WordPress as part of her service so I can do those small updates myself without completely cocking up the design. It's a win-win. So whichever route you choose, go back to your audience, their challenges and your value propositions. These are the most important elements of your offer and the basis for all your promotional copy. 
Do that work first. Don't be in too much of a rush to name your company or create a logo. Otherwise, you might end up paying for something that ultimately might not be relevant. If you're thinking about starting a business or in the first stages or already well on your way, I wish you every success. Never, ever forget why you set off on this journey. Have a wonderful Christmas and a successful and prosperous 2024.